0: Welcome to the EarthBorn Games podcast. I am your host, Andrew Navarro. <laughs> Anders Carlson is out on assignment. He's being a dad <laughs> right now, uh, so he doesn't have time to not be a dad and be on this podcast. Yeah, you're still a dad when you're on this podcast. <laughs> right. Well, he's, he's busy doing dad things. Uh, <laughs> joining me are uh, Andrew Fisher. Hello. How's it going?
1: Oh, do I, need, do I need small talk? Uh, yeah, now it's time. Uh, it's it's going good. It. <laughs> um, we're we're recording earlier today, so I, I don't have my usual uh, you know, scotch and relaxed <laughs> demeanor. You, can, you still can. Going work to w- more work. Uh, so.
0: <laughs> you didn't want to do mid-afternoon scotch?
2: Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not wise.
0: Uh, I'm joined also by Evans and Minette.
2: Hey, how's it going? Good. I do have my afternoon scotch with me. So, oh really uh, no All i right. don't
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think that i think that'd be allowed on this special uh, <laughs> afternoon edition of the podcast uh, we're on a bit of a uh time crunch today so uh we're gonna have probably about an hour long episode so we might we're gonna try it we're gonna we have about as much as we normally do so we'll see how it goes <laughs> we might just have to cut off listener questions midstream we'll see Yeah, we
1: we didn't Um, do great at trimming the show notes this time.
0: We cut a couple things, but not not a ton. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Andrew Fisher. Yeah. Tell me about your work. What have you been doing?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, like, we haven't actually, because we just did the listener questions extravaganza last time. And so we haven't really talked about work in a while. That's true. uh, It's... Board game development takes a while, so I don't know if like it's going to be anything super revolutionary from when we last talked, but we've made quite a bunch of progress. Um, since we last talked about work stuff on the podcast, we've released a ton of web materials, support materials for the game. Uh, we did a bunch of final work on that. So we've got uh, one-day missions that are missions you can play in like one little quick session, just like kind of a sit down and play kind of thing we've got uh oh, now i'm brain farting have we what not all? We talked have... about
0: that at all on the fa- that it's something we, we, we haven't even addressed ready, we
1: haven't i don't believe we had released it yet when we wow. last Holy yeah cow, it has been know, a long
0: time a since we talked about work
1: <laughs> um and uh yeah we've got an faq and errata i think we did talk about that one a bit um We've got pre-made decks. We've got achievements with Evan's beautiful icons. We've got a ton of different materials on there. And coming up, we have... Can can I talk about what we're going to release soon, Andrew?
0: Oh, yes, absolutely.
1: Uh, We have a digital version of the Complete Campaign Guide. And uh, Corey, uh, uh, as well as our website guy, Travis, have been uh, working at integrating a new... um, I don't know web development terms, it's uh, <laughs> a tool set that we, you know, a, a wiki kind of type tool set that allows to kind of sort all the entries, search by entry number, get it immediately popping up, integrate all the errata, all the FAQ, uh, it'll be really easy to to use uh, for both, and it's fully adaptive from mobile to desktop, so it's usable on both, um, it's not quite, like, as flashy as maybe some of the apps Andrew and I have worked on in the past, but <laughs> by being web-based, it's incredibly accessible by basically any device, incredibly usable, and more likely to be supported ongoing than, like, something that's hosted on, like, an app that needs to get an Xcode update every six, six months. So, uh,
2: <laughs> sorry, I, Yeah,
1: the former digital (laughs) digital developer is really getting in the weeds immediately there. But anyway, so we have uh, coming up soon. We've got that online campaign guide and uh, we're going to be using that same platform for an online rules tool as well. But that'll be coming a little later. Uh, We've talked about that in the past, so I just wanted to make sure I mentioned it. So, you know, that that one's also coming. But we're going to release the campaign guide first, followed by the rules tool a little down the road, uh, somewhat based on uh, when I'm out due to my baby,
0: <laughs> which is very soon.
1: Yes, any day really. Uh, yeah. Our due date is next Friday, so when we release this, it'll be in one week, October twentieth. So, you know, I could just uh, uh, disappear into fatherhood at any moment here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well,
1: if the your
0: childers,
2: if your child is anything <laughs> like you, um, they'll be they'll arrive like on the twentieth. <laughs> or whenever the due date is. <laughs> that's right. Promptly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly,
0: arrive
1: exactly when they mean to. <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> well, that's um, a lot of exciting stuff that we have going on. Uh I think the rules the rules portion of it it's just you're just reorganizing it now, right? Cuz we pretty much have everything in there. You just need some Im- images and then moving some stuff around, but it's almost Yeah. We've ready to been go.
1: working on it for to be hosted on just our website like we have kind of a WordPress setup. For our main website, but and so we were working on a setup where we hosted it there. But this new kind of, uh, again, uh, backend, whatever uh, that we're using for the campaign guide is incredibly searchable, usable, and just had all the tools we actually wanted. So we decided to migrate the rules there as well, and uh, like the visual style I was doing all the diagrams in doesn't like look as good in the the different (laughs) in the different color scheme you know like the i i I colored the arrows the same color as the new background so like all the arrows disappeared and like so redoing some diagrams uh doing some reorganization that kind of thing yeah cool Um, the one other thing i I have in my work stuff is uh uh as of this coming out uh our partners will have uh gotten started on translating the expansion so um so that's gonna be like that expansion is, is continuing to move along and i think we're, we're 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 getting to a good place with it it's taken a bit longer than we had hoped but i think now we're we're moving at a decent clip and uh i'm uh excited to get that all wrapped buttoned up with the partners
0: yeah. just getting to the point where we feel comfortable passing along the cards i think is a is a pretty major step uh we still need to finish up the campaign guide and then you know we'll be doing some very late testing kind of like while localization is going on of the campaign and the uh and the missions just to make sure we're not missing any timers or anything but uh yeah it's pretty pretty big that we're finally, we're finally passing those cards along it feels like we've been working on this forever
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm excited to get this this one moving along. There was definitely some growing pains with moving from the core set to this expansion, more so than I had hoped. But I think we've learned a lot of good lessons, and um, uh, I think we have a better sense of like how we want this game line to grow. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we definitely had to kind of figure out what does an Earthborn Rangers campaign look like, and how do we grow the game. And like, there was definitely a lot more experimentation there. I think I had had kind of a solid vision for what it looked like when we set out from the core set, but just the needs of kind of the open world, uh, structure and stuff meant that like we had to do some experimentation to find the thing that worked just right for it. But mm-hmm. I think we've settled on something I'm thinking, I think it's feeling pretty good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully you know, we'll be able to have our cake and eat it too, uh, down the road
1: (laughs) yeah um but yeah that's uh my abridged uh work stuff
0: nice um what are you working on evan
2: um well so i did have in the show notes that there was like 10 pieces of art outstanding or something like that but as of this morning as of our visual design meeting there's about three uh maybe four pieces left um
0: I mean nice. there's there's still
2: there's still art that I need to do. So mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. essentially what I'm I'm transitioning into right now. Um and um we'll be working on that during this podcast too.
0: Um Nice. Yeah, do you want so, to uh bring that sure. up? Yeah, we yeah, we had I, a uh we had a pretty uh fortuitous uh conversation in the podcast chat on the fan discord that came up literally as Evan was sharing the sketch of the new conciliator oh yeah let's see and the request was for evan to draw someone with a sweet beard (laughs) yeah so uh he he turned in the sketch looked really great i was and i said what do you think about giving him a beard (laughs) (laughs) and and so it was
2: yes is it is uh, it coming through on your end can you see it yeah yeah yeah, okay yeah yeah Yeah. um Yeah, so, I mean, there's not much for me to report other than, I guess I guess this is sufficient, me just continuing to work on this. So <laughs> that's my update. Be working on a yeah, beard. It, like, it kind of looks like you, Evan. That's what I said. Well, yeah. I, maybe I just wanted to insert myself into this, I guess. <laughs> I, I wasn't just trying need, to, but... You just um, need a little gray here and here. <laughs> yeah, I could add that. I feel like the people of the Valley have more vitality and they, they wouldn't gray until they're in their hundreds or something you know <laughs> yeah, yeah i
0: think elder orlin uh she has she has gray hair but she's like over a hundred and i think uh, do all the elders have gray hair
1: no uh evan i think and so I just evan and i had an encounter with the elder in tumble down uh is oh, that yeah. murtok
0: yeah is that or no no um, um wellers cormac wellers yeah, yeah. Cormac, yeah. Cormac wellers, yeah. yeah he is definitely um, not gray
1: yeah like and, and you know the uh uh, our writing talks about him being this older man and Evan and I are like, he looks great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's the, uh, it's the, it is the fantasy of perfect vitality. So <laughs> that's right. one being very healthy, well into their hundreds. <laughs> uh, all right. So as, uh, as Evan entertains you all with this cool illustration, I'll try not to get distracted by it myself. Uh, i'll talk about my things uh the biggest most exciting thing is north american fulfillment begins it's beginning right yeah it's pretty exciting uh uh flying cloud started printing shipping labels and people started getting emails and posting on various discords about it uh and honestly that's when i first heard about it too apart from what i heard last week where they were going to beginning, they were going to begin this week at some point. Um, I haven't gotten any other word, so I assume uh, and I hope correctly that the fact that they're printing shipping labels and I think likely staging their uh, picking and packing ob- operation right now, I think uh, bodes well for shipments to start to go out this week as they predicted. So that is very exciting. It is finally I, happening.
1: Yeah, there's some people in the Discord who said they got notified and yep. that the game should like uh, their notification said it should be to them by Saturday. So some people. Oh,
0: okay, yeah, awesome. I mean,
1: like it's just it's somebody on on Discord, and you know, it's like, uh, you know, whatever random estimation from the the shipping notification. But uh, I'll
0: yeah. take it. It's shorter yeah. than it's shorter than six weeks. So uh, <laughs> that's an that's an estimate I can live with. Uh, so that 's super exciting um it's been a really long road to get here to to the point where the majority of our backers will finally be receiving our game uh so i'm really excited to finally get it out to everybody so good job, you guys. We made it hey. <laughs> uh yeah and we 'll be doing uh, i don 't have it here on my list but we 'll be doing our local pickup event we 'll send an email out to the nine people that need to be notified of the local pickup (laughs) event. Um, but that'll be the day after your baby is due Fisher. So we'll see.
1: (laughs) I may or may not be there as a result. Uh, Yeah. It'll be on promises
0: October 20th at the dreamers vault in, uh, in South St. Paul, uh, which is run by my friend, Aaron. Uh, he is also on the list for local pickup, so we don't need to email him. He already knows. Uh, so that's exciting. Um, Other random bits of news I have to share. Uh, We've decided to, uh, because of where, you know, North American Fulfillment ended up landing, uh, there's really not going to be, I don't think, any good time in this year to launch the GameFound campaign. Uh, So we are going to be launching the second printing GameFound campaign in January. Uh, I have a date picked out, but I need to get it approved by GameFound, obviously, so I don't want to announce the date yet, but... Look for that in January. Uh, look for the official nom- announcement down the road. And uh, also exciting, we got the um, floor map for PAX Unplugged. So we know where our booth is going to be. We are booth number 4339. And that is at the back of the hall.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, like, right, right on a nice big main hallway, so you just got to, like, you know, you just go down the aisle and we'll be right there on the end.
0: That's right. Just look for the giant pillar that's holding up the convention center and we'll be right next to that.
1: Yeah, we are next to a pillar.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's the... Uh, it's. I, I think it's exactly where I expect it to be. Our first convention ever. Uh, we're not going to get the prime real estate. Uh, but it. like you said, we are on a major thoroughfare. We're on the same thoroughfare that... Uh, leader games is on, so find leader games Just keep walking, and eventually you'll <laughs> you'll find us. Just, just um, keep
1: an eye out for our three-story recreation of Lone Tree Station. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not. Oh me, that's yeah, right. we man. don't have that. <laughs> what is oh. the
0: what? What was the name of the company that did have that giant tree when we were looking at booth designs? Oh,
1: it was a granola company. I think it was like Nature's Path or something. Oh, granola. Man, I,
0: I want that so bad. So
1: It was rad. It was like this big wooden tree that was like also a shelf system.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that is we will if if we have money to throw around, man, we will, we will do that 100%. Maybe <laughs> they still have it lying around. They don't use it anymore. We can just buy it from them.
2: Yeah we, could,
1: yeah, we could just email Nature's Path, do like a crossover, like you know, a Rangers themed granola bar, and we borrow their tree.
2: <laughs> I, I wonder if um, the display breaks down like a granola bar does, where you take a bite out of it and just falls into a million pieces, <laughs> <It just laughs> crumbles. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, that looks that 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 looks very cool. I would love to do that. Our booth will not be as fancy as that, uh, but hopefully, if you guys are playing if anyone listening is planning on being PAX unplugged. We'd love to see you there. It's not that far away. Less than two months.
1: Yeah, we'll we will uh we'll all be there. Uh, yeah. we'll all be giving demos and hanging out with people. So
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right. Uh so that was, that was fast. That was a good that was a good fast work stories. So let's get into uh let's get into the listener questions, shall we? This one comes from Darren, the dependable.
1: Good old Darren. Yep. Darren, I also I also don't know if we've thanked Darren, but Darren, like, is is one of a, a handful of people who have just jumped in and like answer rules questions for people, like as they are starting to learn the game and playing the game and like really appreciate it, Darren. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. And, and and there's several of, of you others. You know who you are. Thank you so much for helping people as they, they're learning the game. I can only check in so often, so it's. I really appreciate appreciate it.
0: Yeah, 100%. Darren has been amazing. Um, so Darren says, uh, The final version of the valley map includes a size reference showing a square mile. To get a feel for the size of the valley, I wanted to compare it to current-day real-world features. I found that the valley is roughly the same size and shape of Yellowstone National Park. That got me into thinking. If you were to include geothermal features, e.g. hot springs, geysers, in our travels across the valley, what sorts of tests and effects could they have? And he's including a photo of his favorite geothermal feature at Yellowstone, the morning glory hole, which looks amazing. It's like a living uh vortex of rainbow in the ground
2: yeah i wonder how that works that color transition yeah it's pretty amazing red at the edge and transitions
1: uh all the way to blue at the center and like the colors are just vibrant i'm sure the saturation's cranked a little on this photo but like it's still just astounding
0: yeah it's really cool so google it up uh it's very neat um yeah, I actually I remember like mentioning something about wanting to do geothermal features, and I think uh, in the third expansion, uh, that is my hope. I At least want to make sure we have hot springs when we go up into the mountains. That that much mm-hmm. for sh- that much for sure. I've been thinking that would be a, a some kind of soothing, soothing feature of some kind. But have you given any thought to? Uh, what other like dangerous geysers we might have fishing that could explode under your feet
1: (laughs) with the geysers of course like using the challenge effects to create some kind of slightly uncertain timer for the you know when it goes off and causes kind of a dramatic disrupting event to the board would be something we could play with uh and your discussion of like going up into mountains uh definitely sparks some things one of the things we're trying to do is as we go to different locations around the Valley uh, in our expansions, as we're trying to make each environment feel a little mechanically different. Um, So each kind of area will have different mechanical themes, different decks will do well in different areas, and it'll give you some motivation to kind of customize your deck as you move between these different areas and do these different campaigns so that you keep kind of seeing new cards because you face new different things. And so I could, as you get higher, like I can definitely see contending with thinner air and colder temperatures and like maybe making temperature thematically meaningful where hot springs suddenly become like very immediately localized temperature, which is interesting for like representing mm. theme in gameplay. So I could definitely see ending up playing with some kind of temperature mechanic to represent hot springs and stuff as well. Yeah, um, But we haven't done any yet. So... TBD on how exactly we end up implementing any geothermal (laughs) stuff.
0: Yeah, I can say the odds are probably pretty good that we will do something with them uh, in the next expansion or in the next two, uh, beyond Legacy of the Ancestors, of course. Awesome. Great question. Thanks for sharing that, Darren. All right. And on a similar theme, we have a uh, question from Maka. This is talking about great hikes since folks are up in Minnesota. Have you ever been over to Isle Royale? The first place I backpacked and it is gorgeous gorgeous, and so remote. I have never been there, but Fisher, yes. you said you've been there.
1: I have. Um, I did kind of the, it's, a, it's like an oblong island. Uh, I believe it's the biggest island on Lake <laughs> Superior. Um, uh, and it's kind of off of the North Shore uh, up here in Minnesota. And uh, I did a hike from one end of the island to the other uh it was part of boy scouts so it would have been in high school so did you take a
0: ferry out there or how did you get out there
1: yeah yep so you take a ferry out and there's kind of like a landing area and then we hike across from one end of the island to the other and then what do we do back i think you loop back and then take the ferry home um it's been a while. But one of the cool things about Isle Royale is its population of wolves and uh, moose. Mm. Uh, it's like one of the highest density populations of moose anywhere in the world. Uh, so you, uh, we unfortunately spent a week there. It took about a week to hike from one end to the other because we weren't setting up a very fast pace, you know, because uh, there's in Boy Scouts, you have people of varying skills. but So we, we took about like five to seven days or something to, to okay. go across the island. But, um, only moose we saw was a skeleton so we didn't see any live (laughs) moose uh but it's been really interesting actually i don't know how much you know about this andrew but like the moose and wolf population on this island and like kind of the drama from the last few years about this
0: (laughs) no tell me the moose drama
1: (laughs) (laughs) well so because it's such a small island and it's so densely populated like this it has the ecosystem i'm sure there's there's uh Wildlife people in our audience who are like you're butchering this th- these facts, but <laughs> there it, it's very volatile. And um, <laughs> one of the things that kind of helps, you know, because like there's a bunch of moose, but then the wolves hunt the moose. And then one of the other issues is there is a bridge that forms during the winter by the water freezing between Isle Royale and the mainland, um, and then wolves can cross over between the island and the mainland. And this bridge started not forming as reliably. Mm-hmm. And then the wolf population got dramatically inbred on the island um, and started dying off as a result. And then the already high moose population without wolves to hunt them just like got unsustainably high. And so a few years back, the government actually stepped in and like intervened to help add uh, genetic diversity to the wolf population. And it sounds like it's actually worked really well, and it's stabilized, and the the muse population's going down. So anyway, it's been kind of interesting, yeah. And, like, I don't know, because I hiked it so long ago, I had this kind of attachment to it, and I've kind of wanted to go back with Sam because it's a nice, uh, chill backpacking trip uh, compared to, like, some of the up and down I've taken her on, like in the Superior Hiking Trail and stuff. It's Mm -hmm. a little more even keel. So I wanted to go back and do it with her uh, maybe once the kiddo's grown up a little
0: <laughs> you don't need to uh worry about wolf attacks out there with so many wolves on the island and nowhere nowhere to run Honestly, on an you're island
1: you're gonna be worried about any kind of attacks you should be way more worried about moose attacks
0: that's true that's true uh
1: that than wolf attacks so no you, you don't really need to worry like obviously you uh you know you, you take all the normal like precautions you do for bears primarily uh but the wolves aren't really interested in that, and they'll generally leave you alone. Um, but it's moose. You give them if you run into a moose, you give them a wide berth. It, yeah. Like those things, they're spooky. They'll uh, they'll get really aggressive, and they're just enormous. So uh, we were way more scared of running into a moose than a wolf.
0: Yeah, I saw a moose once uh, on uh, the Bierstadt Lake, and they were at a pretty good distance, just kind of hanging out in the water. And then they started to come towards us and I <laughs> got really nervous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That's Fled the, only the, shore ones, immediately. the only ones I've run into like live ones were in the boundary waters where I was in a canoe and, you know, you can just observe from a distance and then, uh, we did have to once wait out one that was sitting at our portage and we didn't want to land. And we just sat out there in the water for like 45 minutes waiting for this moose to
0: <laughs> to be done
1: just hanging out.
0: That's awesome. I take it you've not been to Isle Royale, uh, Evan?
2: No, I I didn't come from a very outdoorsy stock of people.
0: <laughs>
2: so, no, don't let I, I the, uh, So
0: don't be fooled by your flannel shirt.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm just trying to blend in with the flannel. With the Minnesotans. Yep. Yeah. But no, I, I um, honestly, like I never, I only fished when my dad and I went up to my dad's friend's cabin in Lake of the Woods a few times. And that was really cool. But um, yeah, I just haven't been to Isle Royale. I've been to Madeline Island, which is more of a tourist attraction in Wisconsin. <laughs> So I can't really compare.
0: Where's Madeline Island?
2: Um, boy, I'm trying to think of the city. It's by like Appleton or
0: something like that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I think. Exotic
2: yeah, Appleton. Yeah. It gets really popular this time of year too with the changing of the season and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's up north.
1: Uh Bayfield, Washburn, Ashland. Oh yeah, Bayfield. That's
2: sorry. Ashland is what yeah, I yeah. was thinking of. Yeah. Oh, okay, Apple, okay. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know why I was thinking Appleton. Um, but yeah, that's that's the extent of my island adventures.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure it was lovely. Yeah, Wisconsin was also lovely. All right, let's see here. What do we have next. We have a question from D-Cheds says, for the EBG team that have pets, I think that's all of us, uh, what will your pet's ranger background and or specialty be? <laughs> <laughs> Evan, what you, were your cat's uh, ranger background uh... and specialty be? I thought this was a weird – it's an interesting yeah. question. I don't know if I can answer.
2: <laughs> I feel like the question is posed because I, I made a stink about no one asking about my, my cats last time. So <laughs>
1: I, I think – <laughs> I, I trimmed down these questions and I think D Cheds did have some context about yes, uh lobbing a question for that would help
2: uh that, that would give you let you talk about Buzz. Thank you, D Cheds. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think Buzz would be um he would be just like he'd be some sort of explorer, I guess. because um, he's always trying to get outside. He actually escaped into the yard um on sunday because the porch wasn't shut quite tight enough for him and he squeezed through um and our other cat rhubarb she would be like a forager uh of some sort (laughs) because that's (laughs) she's just thinking about food most of the time nice yeah (laughs) how about you fisher
1: yeah with finn i I was thinking about this like i feel like for his background i'm supposed to say shepherd because he's literally a herding dog no yeah he's half australian shepherd and he did get kicked out of daycare for herding the other dogs (laughs) but i I also i I was torn between that and forager because he does love to eat grass Uh. (laughs) (laughs) and then uh for his specialty i was gonna say uh finn is a conciliator he like he is not an explorer he like when we go like to off-leash parks and stuff you know some dogs go like wide ranging finn like stays right with you and he gets like really fixated on other people and other dogs and like does a lot of like licking licking other dogs face which is a very kind of deferential gesture like Mm. he he wants to constantly be like pleasing everyone all the time and just like Mm. loves other dogs and people so he's a he's a conciliator for sure
0: nice yeah so i have i have three cats i don't know if i've ever talked about my cats on this podcast before i'm not sure but i have three cats uh dandelion marigold and pinto uh dandelion is i would say a background we've not done yet a hunter Mm -hmm. as is Mm -hmm. as is pinto (laughs) though i would but pinto he hunts for food like he'll hunt for rabbits he loves rabbits and he'll eat the rabbit, uh which it's kind of sad and and uh, a little disturbing sometimes when you hear him <laughs> devour devouring this rabbit live uh out in the yard while you're oh yeah. <laughs> asleep uh It can be kind of shocking to hear uh but um at least he eats them um dandelion however, he's just a murderer. He just, he just murders things, <laughs> uh, which is, which is really upsetting. And I like. not so think they, we it, have
1: that background in Earthport. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't have the murderer background,
0: <laughs> thankfully, but, uh, yeah, I wish he wouldn't do that. The it's, uh, we, we put bells on and everything. It doesn't matter. Uh, those, Murder bells. Those, yeah, those, yeah, that's right. They just, uh, um, uh, they just foretell his coming. In the in the brief <laughs> seconds before the you're bells, snatched the from the air, uh, and then, uh, but Marigold is pretty chill. Um, I would put her. I would put her more on the on the forager scale. Definitely, probably forager conciliator. Also, she doesn't go very far. Especially when it starts to get cold, she likes to just hang out near the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other guys definitely explorers because they'll they'll go out and be gone for a day they just won't they just won't come back at night sometimes <laughs> this you know like, all right well we'll come back whenever <laughs> we'll be back sometime in the afternoon the next day while we're worried about them uh that would be have you, ever, for sure.
1: have you ever considered putting gps on them to see where they go
0: yes we have considered that yeah yeah from time to time <laughs> but in the end like it's like yeah, no, they're fine they're cats they're, no, i, they're, I, I, I
1: mostly would just want to know right yeah. like just to mm-hmm. see out of curiosity to see where they get to.
0: I think it'd be cool to like put a little camera on them and Ooh, see where yeah. they go and what they do. Uh, yeah. That'd be neat. Yeah. Cause sometimes I catch them like way up in a tree or like on the neighbor's roof. Uh, they go all over the place. So
1: have you seen the, uh, the new Insta 360 action cam? No, it's like, so like, it's like GoPro sized, but then you can detach the actual like camera lens from the gopro and just record on that for like 30 minutes and so like it is small enough to like clip to a cat's collar and like uh i mean it'd still be a little chonky but like the yeah. can would carry it around no problem oh, so that sounds
0: cool yeah you just need yeah. that camera and then
1: you can record all right
0: all right we all think about doing that <laughs> that could be fun all right yep. okay Haley asks or says and then asks uh, we typically hear about video games you're playing more often than board games. Does designing slash playtesting games for work leave less energy and time for playing other tabletop games? Or is it simply an issue of adulthood and finding time to get uh to get the game together or gang together? Get the gang together. Uh, is it ever tough to exit the game designer headspace? That's a good what do question. you think, Fisher?
1: Yeah, that that is a good question. Uh, I definitely find that I have less energy for tabletop games after working on tabletop games all day. Uh, and in fact, it's it's something that my 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 best friend Matt, who I hang out with most weekends, always complains about. Is like he always really wants to play the games I'm working on, and I'm like, no, I need a break. I've been thinking <laughs> about that game all week, right? Like I want to like play a video game with you or something, right? Just like do something else and he's like no i want to play your game and uh so that's definitely a struggle i've had and like it's something that i noticed a lot when managing people at ffg is like people would come on board and with like really deep thorough knowledges of the board game industry but then as they the longer they work at the company they spend so much time working on their game right that they just play fewer other games because like they just don't have as much time or mental energy for other tabletop games as they did before they started. Cause previously all their tabletop energy was just going into playing a variety of stuff. And so like we would do a lot of things like game nights at the company to like bring in, like have people bring in all sorts of games just to like keep playing games outside of our own catalog. Because over time, just because of like a limited number of hours in the day and mental energy people have people would play less and less games outside of work as it were. So I definitely, it's a trend I've definitely seen a lot of.
0: Yeah, no, I, Mm -hmm. I, definitely, I feel the exact same way. Um, Evan, how did you feel working, you know, working graphic design? Did you, did you feel that fatigue of, of playing tabletop games?
2: Not so much because I wasn't so concerned with you know the rules and all the stuff that you guys were busy with. Um, so like when I uh, one of the games I was working on before I left FFG was was Legion. Or actually, that was kind of taken out of my hands when there was that split. But um, I loved Legion. I loved playing it, and it for me it was simply a matter of just not. I kind of lost the time to to direct towards gaming because it's so time intensive. And, um, yeah, I I, uh, I just can't make time for it. But I, if I did, I, I don't think I would suffer from the same issues you guys have because I'm not so invested in, like, the the mechanics and everything, <laughs> you know, yeah. if that makes any sense. Just the visuals.
0: Yeah, I feel like... So, I mean, I, I I have been pretty good about playing uh, our regular Kingdom Death Monster game. Um, I just don't talk about it every podcast because it's, like, the only thing i really yeah, been playing yeah, yeah. with my friends. Yeah. Like, you you know, because you have your regular, like, RPG night that you yeah. do.
2: I would love to uh, talk about it, but I don't want to be like, and then this happened? And, <laughs> you know, this story stuff that's meaningful to me that doesn't matter to anyone else.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I, I would say that we... uh been getting a game to the table at least once a week but it's been the same game so you know i just don't want to bore everybody, bore everybody with my yeah yep, played more Kingdom death monster <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> got disemboweled again <laughs> you know or whatever um <laughs> but yeah i mean i felt the same way uh really whenever effectively as soon as i moved into management at ffg and was part of the that decision making group you know, so effectively from like 2010, 2009 onwards, um, it became really difficult to just sit down and enjoy a game without being critical of it, Uh, even when Mm -hmm. I was in in art direction. uh, And it's it's honestly, it's a thing that like my uh, friends get irritated with me about playing new games whenever I like play a board game with them, because I'll go into like critique mode (laughs) <laughs> and and I, it's difficult for me to just to enjoy the game for itself without thinking like oh I this is an interesting mechanic or like oh this isn't really working for me for this reason or whatever uh, they just want to play the game and have fun and I'm being all analytical about it. <laughs> you know, there's I remember playing Spirit Island with my friend Aaron and I I said I had said like maybe like three things and he's like all right that's your last one. <laughs> 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 don't, you don't get to say anything more about this game to play it. I'm like, all right, all right, you're right, sorry. Uh so yeah, no, it is it is pretty hard to turn off turn off the, the work brain when you're playing a tabletop game. For sure. Um But I just you know I like video games. I've always you know, that's I played video games pretty much my entire life. So as, as I've played tabletop games. So uh and yeah, they're just they're very easy. It's very easy to play a video game and it is, uh, I, I am far less critical. I think when I'm playing a video game than I am, when I'm playing a tabletop game, because I'm just not as familiar with everything that goes into it. Mm-hmm. I might be critical of the story. Or I might be critical of like, I don't know, that graphic maybe looked bad or whatever, or like, oh, maybe that voice performance could be better. Um, but yeah, it's not the same at all because I don't have those same skills. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Haley also sent in a second part of a question, but I'm going to skip it. And we'll get to it next time, Haley. And we're going to move on to a question from Chub Frog. Now we're into the Earthborn Rangers portion of the questions. (laughs) Chub Frog says It seems like the between day deck modification uh, inevitably becomes more involved the farther you get into the series of campaigns. Eventually, preparing for each individual day of a campaign could entail full-fledged deck building with all the rewards you've unlocked. Do you think this could become the case? And if so, is it desirable?
1: I, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I'd say yes, I think it's desirable. I The nice thing is that this deck building phase grows over time. Your pool of rewards grows over time slowly and your understanding of your deck grows over time and so yes you will have a ton of cards by expansion to you know like uh i mean even the first expansion you have quite a few cards to work with and then you know as you get down these campaigns you're gonna have a lot of cards to contend with but you're gonna have unlock them slowly use the ones that work for you ignore the ones that don't and like have a good sense of the pool because of how much you've played the game and how like slowly you've unlocked all these rewards and so It's not actually gonna be as intimidating as all that. And honestly, to my earlier point about us trying to make different areas you go to have a different mechanical feel, I think my ideal world is one where you customize your deck a little as you go to different places. I want you to think about what you're gonna be facing and want to camp between days so that you can tweak your deck a little to help with what you're gonna be handling the next couple days uh and so i consider it a feature for people to engage with that uh i don't think you're going to get to a place where you're like fully rebuilding your deck it in my experience it's mostly tweaking
0: yeah that's been my experience playing in the, the camp the the campaign is that uh there are like good all-rounder cards that are just nice to have in your deck at, at any time but you'll definitely go into situations where you, where you can intuit, based on the parameters of the mission, what things you might want to include in your deck that you might not normally include, uh, and that can be super helpful, um, especially on subsequent playthroughs. Like, if you play it again, like my my second time through the campaign, I definitely did a lot more deck modification going into specific missions, knowing more clearly how they play out you know uh so that was kind of fun that was fun to uh to make those make those changes and then see how it see how it went so yes definitely a feature i would say because that's the direction we're going (laughs) so hopefully it's fun for everybody uh i i I think that it is i've i've enjoyed it at least all right uh norman i don't know if we've ever got a question from norman No, i don't Um, think so so, welcome, Norman. Thank you for the question. Uh, I noticed some path guards have thresholds that scale with the number of rangers, while others have fixed thresholds. Harm, on the other hand, seems to almost exclusively have a fixed threshold, with only a few special exceptions. I'm curious what factors determine scaling or lack thereof of these values. That's a good question. What, that is what a good question. Think? What do you think, Fisher? Oh.
1: Well, the, the answer, I don't have, like, a dead simple answer for you, but, like, ultimately, when you uh, are balancing a game, you have lots of knobs and levers, right? Uh, and so when we're looking at something like player scaling in our game, we have a few different things that scale with players, the big one being that every, every player draws a path card every round. Um, and so you will get, in a, in a one-player game, you get one path card per round. In a four-player game, you get four path cards per round but if you kind of we do a lot of like in kind of some of our estimation about how things balance you do some value estimation on like what a card is worth like how much energy investment is a card on average like how much energy would does a ranger have to commit to get that card off of the board and generally our path cards are significantly lower than one full rangers worth of energy right like Um, And, you know, our energy is split between different aspects that have different focuses. So, like, certain aspects do certain accomplish certain things, and other ones just rarely can do those things. So it gets a lot more complicated than that in a way I'm not going to dive into in this podcast. (laughs) But ultimately, so our scaling there, uh, we actually, as that scales out, it doesn't scale, like, Perfectly per ranger and we end up kind of with this excess of what the rangers can accomplish the more rangers you have Uh, Some of that we've we noticed in play actually gets kind of lost in the shuffle of four people coordinating It's just a lot more difficult and we lose some of that like Efficiency in most groups unless it's like four incredibly experienced players who are all like know what they're doing Um, But we have some excess and so some of that. Per ranger scaling that goes onto individual cards is to kind of help compensate for that excess, and the amount of it you see sprinkled throughout the game kind of depends on a few different factors. But like how much we wanted to compensate for that excess in that part of the game. Uh, other places you'll see it is when things are specifically related to mission objectives, so that they those kind of objectives scale. So most cards that have to do with side activities, so things that can earn you reward cards, will often scale. And you'll notice, like one of the one of the places you do see harm scaling is on, for example, the mega predators, which clearing them due to harm is a way to complete missions involving them. So because of that, we wanted that value to scale. So there's a lot of different kind of balance, game design, and experience reasons, and like knobs and levers as to why various values are the way they are. Um, i am sorry that's not as clean an answer as you might like but that is <laughs> the reason
0: yeah well i think the 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 takeaway that i have is it's not just a formula that we have that there's a lot of, that goes into it um i think
1: there is a bit of a formula on estimated energy it takes to clear a card right mm-hmm. we do that kind of value estimation to make sure that we're not overloading the players too much um One other thing to note is you asked why fewer cards with harm thresholds have that, and that's because harm can't be output by a common test. So things like progress can be output by a common test. It's something that everybody has access to all the time. Harm can only be output by weapons, which have to be included in your deck. And given the rate we see of weapon inclusion and just how many weapons are available early in the game, uh, harm output... Doesn't scale with player count as much as
0: mm-hmm. progress output does. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. That's cool. That was a very deep and in-depth answer. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah,
1: sorry, I'm I'm uh, I'm burning our time here. Yeah, that's great. About...
0: <laughs> that was great. That's a, that's all right. That's perfect. Uh, I think that we're going to uh, we're going to call the list for questions there. We have a few other questions we didn't get to. If you if you sent in a question and we did not answer it, we'll uh, do our best to get to it. Next episode, uh, we'll leave them here in the dock, and it'll continue to grow. <laughs> but thank you, everyone, who uh, asked a question. Really appreciate it. You guys uh, give us the bulk of stuff to talk about on this podcast, and we appreciate you for doing that. And
1: uh... and I've really liked the reoccurring cast of characters we have of those of you who ask uh, uh, multiple questions. You kind of like get to know a person based on. You know the questions they ask and their YouTube comments and stuff. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's fun. It's yeah, it's cool to like fun. Uh, chat with you all asynchronously. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so uh, we have about ten minutes left. Let's get into the stuff we're into. Uh, as the podcast host for today, I get to go first, <laughs> and that means yeah, we're going to do Andrew's Indie Game Corner. Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> I. Uh so last episode uh Anders suggested I try a indie game. And I did. I tried Lonely Mountains Downhill. Have you guys have you guys tried that?
1: Mm-hmm. No, I, I googled it quick when Anders mentioned it last time. So it's kind of like, like downhill biking,
0: right? Yeah, it's like mountain biking. Uh it kind of reminded me a little bit of Trials. Uh the mm-hmm. the dirt bike game. Uh, it's a little. It's not as physicsy as that, uh, but I got a similar kind of feeling as I was making my way down these mountains and doing a terrible job of controlling my mountain bike, and then crashing <laughs> and then having to go back to the checkpoint and then do it again. Uh, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Like yeah, it, it is. It's little, the levels are much much longer though. It's it's like a okay. longer form thing. And it starts off with a, when you get to a a trail, you have an unlimited amount of time to finish it. The goal is just to get to the bottom. And I think I like that the most. Uh, But then once you do that, it unlocks challenges on that trail. And then it's, you know, like get down to the bottom of the trail with, without crashing, you know, more than 20 times or, you know, do it in a, a time limit. And as you complete those challenges, then it unlocks new trails, and then you do it all over again. Uh, it was pretty fun. I, it, it was deceptively difficult to control at first, but once I got the hang of it, uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, it was a little more stressful than I wanted <laughs> from from my like very quaint looking uh, artsy uh, downhill biking nature game. Um, it was, it, it, it just kind of stressed me out a bit trying to do those challenges. Uh, where I was like, I don't know, like it, it kind of, again, that's where it also felt like trials where (laughs) trials is really fun until it becomes maddening. Uh, and I was starting to get a little bit of those vibes on some of the, some of the trails.
1: This sounds like that could be a very, like thematic to my mountain biking experience though because you know like when my dad and i went up in colorado i was like oh i'm gonna have a beautiful time biking in the mountains but then most of my memories from that day are just oh shit oh shit oh shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: so I mean, it was probably pretty accurate i would recommend it though i i think uh, if that if that sounds fun to you i would check it out uh i've also uh been playing because my son's been playing starfield and i'm not really interested in starfield and you um, want to be
1: a real hipster about it so that's right that's right
0: <laughs> uh, it's i don't know man it just seems like a bunch of loading screens one after another it, it kind of bums me out uh but uh i played a little uh indie game called uh, the elder scrolls oblivion again Sweet. they were indie at the time when they made oblivion let's not forget uh and that game is is Still pretty awesome, um, though. I got turned into a vampire almost immediately, and that has been a nightmare.
1: <laughs> like I'm just yeah. If I remember I... right, it's incredibly punishing to be a vampire in that game.
0: It sucks. Not, like you no, can't pun, go out in daylight, no pun intended. Right? No, you can't go out in daylight. Uh, you do get a bunch of buffs if you drink people's blood. Uh, so that's something. But I'm on the I'm on the quest to cure my vampirism and i need to collect like nine grand soul gems or five grand soul gems uh which are located in little uh dungeons nearby to the quest giver and man it's a giant pain in the ass but i am having fun despite the fact that i'm spending a lot of time just waiting around for the sun to set so i can go out without dying immediately <laughs>
1: You can, just, you can just sleep it off, right? Like you're just, you can nap for X hours.
0: Right? Yeah, you can just wait. I've, I've yeah. never waited so much in an Elder Scrolls game as I have so far in this <laughs> playthrough. And it, it really got me thinking of like, if I was coming to this game fresh, like if, when it came out, this is the experience you could have. Where I'd, be, I'd, I'd say to my friends, yeah, I'm playing this game it's so weird. Like I just, I I'm a vampire. I guess it's a game where you're a vampire and you got to not go out during the day, but you're still a hero somehow. Uh, you got to close these oblivion gate gates. It's the weirdest game in the world. (laughs) I don't know if I like it. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, and I think, but I think that's really cool that the game is so open that this could just happen to you in the first it literally, in like the first two hours of the gameplay, it became a freaking vampire. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, and I've also started reading Lord of the Rings again. Oh, cool. Very yeah, cool. I'm, uh, I'm almost the through Hobbit book The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings. Okay. Yep. Still very good. That's a very good book. I love it. I love it. It's, uh, it's, all, it's in preparation to uh, do a bunch of writing in the campaign guide and get myself in mm. that right. Tolkien headspace. Headspace. Yeah. Get ready with all my adjectives. Describe (laughs) every blade of grass, every rock (laughs) and cavern you encounter. Uh, I also found a really awesome glossary of cave and karst terminology online Oh, that I cannot wait to use. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty awesome. That's what I've been into. Fisher. I see you have cocoon on your list that game looks weird
1: yeah it's cool i i I actually got time i haven't found time for Baldur's gate 3 but i have found time for a couple smaller games uh cocoon is very cool it's by the people who did limbo and um what was their one after that inside Mm -hmm. i think Um, it's just the
0: game designer i don't the level designer i don't know if it's the same publisher or developer
1: but it kind of has a a slightly similar vibe, but it's a little more open. It starts, it's all like joystick and one button, and you just interact with the world, and they have a few different puzzles, and this unfolds, and it stays pretty linear. Um, and you kind of have this like hub world, and then you find these big marbles in the hub world, and you can like, when you put them in these sockets, you can go into them, and hmm. those are like the, the sub levels of the game. But each marble you can carry with you when you go inside these sub-levels. And then the different marbles, if you leave the level and come back out and hold the marble after you've beaten the boss inside of it, it gains special powers and it unlocks certain puzzles and stuff. And so then there's this whole meta-puzzle of, like, which marbles do you bring inside the other marbles? It's like... (laughs) like recursive game like recursive game design and like you, you have to keep track of like which marbles do i have inside other marbles and so you have to like bring them inside the sub so you can carry a bunch of marbles around with you and then unpack them all and so some of the puzzle design comes in this like recursive level thing where the levels are objects you can carry around and bring into each other so it's, it's uh that idea is very neat that uh, sounds wild
0: yeah and yeah. it's a pretty game it hurt my brain just you talking about it yeah i can't imagine it's, what it will, what's like for your brain to play it
1: it's pretty approachably designed though it, it's not bad okay. uh, the other game i've been playing is chance of sonar uh which is similar a little brain burning but in a different way it's all about you're kind of in the tower of babel and everybody speaks in the symbolic languages and you have to figure out what their symbolic language means by context and slowly translate it and then mm. use your translations to figure out how to navigate. And then you get to a new level of the tower and you get a whole new symbolic language. And so and then eventually you start having to mix and match the different symbolic languages you've translated. And so it's this like deduction translation game. It actually kind of reminds me of uh, Secret of the Oberdin, or mm. what was that? The Oberdin uh yeah. game.
0: I know what Sim- you're talking about
1: similar kind of deduction loop where you're they, they do a pretty good deduction solving ui that like makes you feel smart and engaged so that's been fun
0: cool cool that sounds neat um, or those... oh, is, is that did you have more to share Nope, that's it All uh, right.
1: those are the two games I've, I've had time for around baby prep
0: that's cool i i kind of want to check those out i, I, I looked at cocoon it like I said, it looked so weird. I don't. I don't know if it made me feel good. <laughs> I, it I, it uh,
1: has some similar. It's not quite as dark and creepy as like Inside was, or yeah. even like Limbo kind of made you feel. Yeah. It, it's a little, but it. It's a little more whimsical and lighthearted than that, but it still has that like kind of oppressive edge. Like yeah, that. Okay. Slightly, you get a slight unease as you're playing it sometimes. Yeah.
0: Maybe I'll check it out. It's on Game Pass, so. So, the, the yeah. bar's low why not yeah exactly uh evan yeah where are you into
2: <laughs> well real quick i want to mention i when i looked at the show notes you'd written cocoon and i thought you were talking but you're gonna talk about the movie, the movie? Yeah, from 1985. <laughs> i was like oh i haven't seen that <laughs> maybe it's a, yeah but um <laughs> yeah i'm not into much lately just been more busy <laughs> not into uh, anything no, in, no. So, um, my neighbor, he's known in the neighborhood for doing these amazing, uh, decorations for Halloween. Like, he's got this whole, like, array of, of dummies and, like, you know, zombies and stuff like that, and graves and creepy stuff that he's accumulated over the years. And, and I, I love Halloween. And I, I've always wanted to be a homeowner so I could have a yard to do this sort of thing. So, um, I'm finally trying to do that. I'm gonna dip my toes into this, and I'm trying to like carve my first like handmade Halloween decoration as like a tombstone. It's oh cool, <laughs> yeah. So I was just gonna do like a tombstone for every like slasher killer. So the first one I'm starting with is Jason because I I have this cool Jason mask that I got custom made like 20 years ago.
1: Um, oh dang,
2: it's, yeah, it's it's like actual fiberglass. It's really cool. Um, so anyways, I, I wanted to start with Jason.
0: Are you going to wear that for the trick or treaters?
2: I could. Yeah. Um, I want to get like an under mask. It's not enough to just wear the mask. I want to get like a a gross bald head, like zombie head underneath <laughs> and just cut the face <laughs> out and then wear the mask over it because uh-huh. it just, I got to sell it. Um, so yeah, I'll probably <laughs> do that. And, um, yeah, I'm just using craft foam and I'm going to use some spray paint because I discovered that spray paint uh, eats away at the foam and kind of causes like a, a cool pockmarked yeah. kind of distressing, which I think yeah. will work really well. Then I have a foam that I'm going to coat it with and then on top of that, I'll prime it and paint it and do some staining and stuff like that. But um, it's it's a lot of work and uh, it's going to be really funny to have just one decoration in the yard this year, but uh, <laughs> hopefully it'll grow. You know, and I'm not trying to compete with my neighbor because he's is amazing. I just want to compliment what no, he start, has.
1: Start the arms race. That's right. Yeah. He needs true competition to make him more
2: amazing. <laughs> His first like Halloween decoration is called the babysitter. It's like this creepy zombie-looking lady in a chair with like this weird baby. And he said he had that since that was his first one and he got it he's made it in 1991 so he's got you know like several like decades on on me so (laughs) most of (laughs) your lifetime yeah (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) yeah other than i'm reading but you know this just i'm reading just trashy stuff like comics like this west coast avengers right here i gotta Whole yeah those trade comics who likes comics yeah. well this is nice. i mean when i talk to people uh, like comics they're usually talking about comics in the last 10 years and i'm i'm going back to like the night late late 80s early 90s just yeah man I, I love this i love this stuff It's great that's when they
0: were good <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> i don't know why i'm drawn to west coast <laughs> I, Avengers. The I think it's funny that <laughs> hawkeye right. is the leader i guess yeah it's yeah. cool like he's got he doesn't have any superpowers but he's the leader
0: I always so. thought that felt like the West Coast Avengers was like, and it's these guys.
2: Yeah. No, that's the Great Lakes <laughs> Avengers. Those guys, those are those guys.
0: <laughs> uh, there's no Great Lakes Avengers. Yeah, no there is. really. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I've never yeah. heard of that. I don't
2: even know what the roster is, but maybe sounds like Alpha Flight something to me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the, Cana- the Canadian Avengers. <laughs> yeah, All right. Well, cool. thanks, guys. Uh, yeah. We did it. Yep. It's an hour. Yeah. We, Sweet. we nailed it nailed it! <laughs>
1: for those of you whose questions we didn't get to we will get to them eventually
0: yes, yes we will uh thank you guys uh for joining me this afternoon and thank you everyone uh who's listening um as always if you have questions for us feel free to send us an email at info at or leave it in the uh discord or youtube comments wherever you would like we will get the message Uh, The game is available on uh, earthborngames.com. So if you'd like to pre-order, it's going to be available for real order very, very soon, which is super exciting where you'll just be able to order it and get it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's not very far off. Uh, So, yeah. So stay tuned to our website. We'll have a bunch of stuff going up, as Fisher mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, And thanks everyone for joining us again. And uh, we'll see you next week with a new playcast. And then uh, two weeks from now with another episode of this podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye. See you.